0: I'm Carol Cohn, and welcome to Purpose 360, the podcast that unlocks the power of purpose to ignite business and social impact. Today's conversation is quite different from having C suite leaders in discussion. It's about the beginning of a career with a young woman named Alexa McHale. I met Alexa. At Fortune's Most Powerful Women Next Generation Conference last May in Southern California. She absolutely mesmerized me as she led the first conference grouping about women in healthcare. She had five very seasoned women talking about eating disorders, menopause, really, really struggling birthing situations, um, diversity in women's uh, reproductive health. And she led that discussion with the insights and ability of someone 10 or 20 years older. I invited Alexa to be on this podcast, because I have so many of our listeners are young careerists. They want to know, how do I advance my purpose to career? What do I have to do to prepare? How do I compete to get that really great job that I want? How much will I have to commit? Well, in the discussion today, you will hear incredible pearls of wisdom from Alexa. She's only two years out of school. She studied journalism, She's already been at CNN and now Fortune Media. This is a fascinating conversation for both employers who want to support their really superb Gen Z colleagues, as well as for those of you who are early in your career who want to find that job that truly resonates with your personal purpose or the organization's purpose. So let's get started. so welcome to the show, Alexa.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Carol, and all your kind words it means a lot.
0: <laughs> well, it, very, very well deserved. So tell us about, you know, you went into journalism. When did you know you wanted to do that? Talk about why Medill was um, important to you, and then how you started your career.
1: Yeah, no, I, I studied uh, journalism at Medill. Yeah, I graduated a couple years ago, and it's interesting. I, I sort of applied to journalism school pretty last minute in high school. I didn't have this direct, you know, desire or purpose to have a specific title in journalism. It kind of came a little bit more naturally. But I would say it really just was about realizing that I really loved talking to people. I really loved writing and just getting to know, you know, new people. I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I um, would go around on weekends in between cross country meets and whatnot and do these, you know, public speaking competitions. And I think I just noticed, and I would cut like a little monologue from different books or plays or excerpts. And I noticed that I just really loved, you know, being able to tell a story, being able to connect with people in a room. Um, and so that kind of led me to be like, I really love this idea of, of storytelling. Um, and so, you know, I think that coupled with even just my, my family background I think I noticed also. I loved talking to like my grandparents from a young age and getting to know their stories. My dad immigrated from Cairo, Egypt, when he was seven, and with his with his parents and family and siblings. And I just remember, you know, being able to chat with him and and his parents and really get to know their stories. And I wrote about them a lot.
0: And, and I love that you talked about your parents and storytelling because when I interview um, for whatever position. Um, and I've hired a lot of people over my career. I, oh, this is my favorite question. And it's, what's the most important thing you learned from your mother? And it's got a second part. What's the most important thing you learned from your father? And you've already told us that they influenced you. So it, it's great that very early in your career, you are, you know, present about that. So, so good for you. I'm, now I'll ask you the question. What's the most important thing you learned from your mother?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think that it's really my mom's strength and grit. Um, she's actually been through a lot. She had a, a various health challenges when I was in high school and college and, and still grappling with them. And I think that just her strength and her ability to sort of persevere through that and, you know, really be able to kind of, um, you know, glean sort of some of the nice moments that, you know, could still come out of all of that. And
0: Thank you so much for that candor. And how about from your dad? What's the most important thing you learned from your dad?
1: Yeah, my dad is one of the wisest people uh, I know. He really just has a selfless demeanor in which he just, I think, wants everyone else to be able to enjoy themselves, to come together. And he never sort of makes himself like the center of the room. And he has such wisdom around sort of um, just being really respectful to to one another and, and being able to kind of, to your, you know, podcast, live your own purpose and, you know, speak your own mind. And I think, you know, his experience too, he came to the U.S. really with nothing, with his family and, uh, you know, he started a life here and a family and I think family and and connection and uh, sort of being together is really important to him. And so that's also something that's like really important to me.
0: Your parents gave you a lot of gifts that you you were sensitive to.
1: Very grateful,
0: and yeah, and that you—I mean—the the gratitude that you have at such a young age—it comes through in your professional life and also in your, your personal passion. So, thank you f- for the candor on that. And, and anyone listening, again, if you are hiring, you can see that those two questions can tell you a lot about a potential uh, individual that would join your organizations. So thank you for that. So let's talk about journalism. And you, in your few years out of school, you've been at CNN and now you're at Fortune Media. And those are, I, wow, you know, that's something that I, I'm sure that anyone in journalism would would just, you know, strive to get to those organizations.
1: Yeah, so it's really interesting. I mean, I actually graduated without a job, uh, it was really hard to to find a journalism job at the time. And frankly, any job uh, kind of graduating in the midst of the pandemic at that time. And also journalism jobs are on a different timeline. So usually they want you and you have to start within a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I just applied to a lot of different places and I tried to connect with people that either went to Northwestern that were from internships I had just cold emailing and LinkedIn messaging people for sort of informational, um, you know, phone calls. And, um, and yeah, I ended up applying to a job that I saw at CNN because I had heard that there was something new starting, that they were going to be hiring a bunch. So I kind of signed on, um, as a member of what was going to become, um, CNN plus, which I don't know if anyone is you know, situation that happened there. Obviously, um, it was canceled after launching. And so yeah, I was there for about nine months before I was actually laid off from CNN, um, as a part of the cancellation of CNN Plus.
0: And CNN Plus, we're all waiting for that with with great, you know, excitement. And so it's your first job, great brand, and then you're laid off. And so, you know, how did you deal with that, Um, especially so early in your career?
1: It was definitely very shocking. Um, And I think it's really hard, even though it was a mass layoff, right? I knew it wasn't about me. I knew it wasn't my fault. But it was really hard to not sort of internalize that, to not feel that, um, you know, to not know what to say to people, to not really feel there was something that you did or that you should have known or, you know, there's there's a lot of things that I think went into my um, you know, went into my head at the time when I was kind of in that two-month stretch of of looking for what was next, which was, um, yeah, it was a time I definitely won't forget.
0: How did you get to Fortune Media? Because that's a pretty good, you know, it's a bad situation, but you landed really well.
1: Yeah, and I feel really lucky for sort of what happened for me from that And I really just spent the last, you know, the next few weeks, obviously, trying to process what this meant and figure out what I wanted. But I remember, actually, one of my leaders that was a part of CNN Plus was really helpful for me because she was telling me, you know, this is actually your time. Like, you just started, and this is your time to pivot maybe to what you wanted to. And the reality was, is that when I thought about it, I didn't really love the production side of TV news. And that's, you know, a a great, great industry to be in. It's actually the majority of what I studied in college, but I found that I really wanted to be the person asking the questions and not in a broadcast realm, but just in any kind of medium that I could find. And I think that I, I really missed telling stories myself. And so I just kind of spent the next few weeks, not necessarily applying, but talking to a lot of people that I trusted and I think it's also hard because you don't want to overload yourself because, you know, not everyone's advice is going to resonate. Not everyone's experience is going to resonate. But I think I was told once, you know, just listen to the advice that that speaks to you, that makes you feel a certain way. And so I think I kept thinking about that when I was talking to people. And I just kind of shot by chance, frankly, in the dark. Um, I definitely did not think I would get the role at Fortune. I thought, I, I mean, I wasn't experienced enough. I didn't have years of reporting outside of college under my belt, but I applied and I worked really hard on the, you know, editing test and, and cover letter. I've been here for over a year now and, and just feel really lucky for how things worked out because, you know, it's, it's really hard and, um, and being laid off. And I really just felt for my colleagues who had families and moved across the country and, um, you know, had a harder job, you know, a harder time finding that next step. And so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of all sort of came together randomly. But it really, um, I feel really grateful that where I landed. So, So
0: for our listeners, I mean, you had perseverance, you worked really hard, and luck is always helpful. I want you to talk a little bit about um, your role at Fortune because you're working in health and wellness, which is a very important beat. Talk a little, little bit about even the fact that you had some experience previously, how you applied it, and um, some of your successes today because some of your stories are terrific.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. So, I had, like you was, we were saying, you know, experience with more so healthcare coverage when I was at the 19th and then while i was in school as well and so i was able to sort of apply that to the breaking news health lens that i still carried at fortune so anything that's happening right more day of um you know i had experience being able to jump on that and cover it whether it's something coming out of you know the white house or um you know an, a new health care kind of crisis coming coming out and and so that's sort of what i was able to bring but i also had a passion for specifically mental health reporting and healthcare in, in that space and, and sort of that youth mental health crisis and reporting on anxiety and depression, which I had done previously as well. And so as a health and wellness reporter, I helped launch our Fortune Well Vertical, which launched about a year ago. And so we really were starting something completely new at a business magazine, um, kind of really almost trying to draw that link, that feeling better is going to really positively impact our work lives and our home lives. And sort of that connection that taking care of ourselves is inextricably linked with performance and productivity and frankly, retention and like a company's bottom line. I've loved writing about the science of happiness and and how to feel better in our day-to-day lives and kind of the, the purpose right behind our work and behind our what we do outside of work. So I think it's a really pivotal time to to be in this space. And I mean, I've loved growing and, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's challenging to know what resonates. But I think the, the bottom line is that especially after we all were isolated in the pandemic and the growing mental health challenges, we're all just trying to find ways to frankly feel better.
0: I have to say to our listeners that you just wrote a Barbie article which I, I think you might want to just briefly talk about that because you're always trying to, like when the Silicon Valley Bank bankruptcy and you talked about, you, you might want to talk about both of those stories because you do do beautiful, um, creative linking to the story behind the story.
1: I mean, I think people watch the movie and anyone would remember all of the the crazy dance numbers and sort of this idea, right, that the movie is, playing into and critiquing this aesthetic of of Barbie and so i think given that people were curious around did they have to train and you know it turns out yeah you know Ryan Gosling did pilates and you know did they did dance classes and and they you know had certain regimens and so i think that you know adding in some information about who trained them and what that was like um yeah i think that's that's something that you know the audience is interested in and then, if you want me to talk about the the other article, oh,
0: Silicon Valley Bank, because you were talking about the, this ripple effect that was that had a real impact in the valley.
1: Yeah, I think it was interesting to to look at what happened there with with Silicon Valley Bank in terms of what it was like for founders at that time. I remember hearing, you know, and seeing some LinkedIn posts of, of founders, especially younger founders and first time founders, sort of saying. I just thought everything was going to crash, right? Everything I've worked for and just really feeling that guilt and responsibility for their employees and the people that sort of entrusted them. So I thought it was interesting to look at sort of what the founders were feeling like during that time. And also I was I was reporting on the fact that there was a pledge around a founder mental health and, and really being able to support founders. And it had I can't remember what it would be at now, um, but but many many signatures around dedicating time and thoughtfulness to founder mental health, and so a lot of VCs and investors into um, you know into these founders into their companies were pledging that that should be a part of the the process of of you know elevating their business.
0: I'm curious about how you prepare to write a piece because you wrote a piece earlier this year about aging women in the workforce. And you you dove into menopause at work and ageism, which is not covered a lot in the business media at all. So how do you prepare for something like that? And then also you've got, you know, you don't have the personal experience, you know, you're 23, but it was a really well done article.
1: Yeah, thank you. That's actually one of uh, my favorite articles that I got to work on. So I appreciate you uh, pointing that one out while I wasn't able to relate to a lot of the experience of, of some of the sources, I was able to meet them, talk to them, really learn from their experiences in person. And I think that that made a huge difference. I also went to this event around menopause at work um, from Electra Health, which offers menopause education and support in New York. And that's where I was able to meet the character, uh, Pamela Hutchinson, that I used in that story who, really was open and and had a LinkedIn post that went viral about what it was like to experience menopause in the workplace. And she had this quote, you know, where she said, "I, I just felt like I wasn't firing on all cylinders anymore. And I, and I, you know, talked to my mom, my family, um, that also gave me a lot of perspective. My aunt, you know, was like, you need to write about this. You know, no one's talking about it. No one's teaching you. No one's, um, you know, I think there's a lot just against women in the workplace. And I think that then, as, as Pamela said to me in the article, it just felt like if I spoke about menopause, that's just another uh, stereotype sort of that I can be sort of berated for or seen as less than even though she was a great leader in the workforce. Um, so I just thought it was one of those things where this is so common. I mean, everyone's gonna go through this and we're not talking about it. And I, even though right to your point, I'm younger, I also thought, I also want to when I am, am at this point in my career, I want to feel supported and I want to feel like there will be more resources out there.
0: Yeah, I love in the article that you said that 40% of women, and it was a, a study that you referenced, have three to four times daily forms of ageism. That happens, And so it was a very, very good article. Uh, so, so thank you very much. What would you like to say? Because I'm sure that, that we have listeners now, early stage professionals, who may want to go into journalism, or they want to go into that writing as a part of their job. What advice do you give them?
1: I think it's really hard, because I think I'm still working on that, to be honest. Uh, I think it's a work in progress. Um I mean, I I talked to my editor, my editor Jennifer is great and it's just been incredibly supportive to me and I feel lucky that I have someone that really gets me, but I think I've been open with her that, you know, very much, especially the first year I was here, I just really struggled with my confidence. I think that I felt like I, you know, I, I don't know, I think I felt like I didn't belong here and it wasn't really anything anyone was doing. Um, I think it was hard to feel good about my work. I, I just felt like I was like, when's the next shoe going to drop? Every time I got an email or a Slack message, I was worried I was going to be laid off again. I think I constantly worried about it. And so it's funny that you ask that because I, I feel like I'm asking my mentors that of, of how do you sort of move through that? I think for me, it's really just been about, you know, staying curious and, and continuing to have those conversations, continuing to listen to the advice that resonates with me. And I guess just to not get caught up in the noise. um, I think this industry is ever changing. And so I think I have to be okay with that uncertainty and with the fact that things are going to inevitably change and I'm going to have to pivot. But I think the more that I can pitch and do stories that I am proud of, that I think are elevating voices that are far too often left off the stage or that, that helps boost my confidence. So I think, you know, whether that's at fortune or, or just in a blog post I write, it, it's like, how can I kind of elevate my stories? I think that has really helped me. And yeah, I think staying connected with people who support you genuinely has, has propelled me uh, probably the most.
0: I would refer to you as I've been graced with many young people that I call them an old young that they have this kind of old soul in a way, but they're, they're still young and they're very curious and you are one of them. What's your advice about finding the right mentor, engaging with a mentor, you know, any good things to look for and also maybe some things to watch out for?
1: So I think not being afraid to ask people for a coffee chat, a phone call, a Zoom, whatever sort of works for you. Um, people are just so, have been so open to me and and wanting to, to help to answer my questions, but also just to get to know each other. And that's something that not only helps, you know, sort of answer professional goals, but it helps boost your confidence. Just, And I think sometimes we are afraid to, to raise our hand and to give someone a compliment or to ask for help because we don't want to bother people. But I think if people are busy, they'll tell you. I don't think it's worth it to, to sort of be silent when we, when we have a thought, we have a question.
0: Let's talk about the future of journalism. Does gen z at all i mean i don't think I've ever seen a Gen Z person with a newspaper what's your feeling because you are a gen zer
1: uh, I think it's tough because I, I sort of describe it right as when I was even in school not that long ago, I was in classes that were talking about you know getting the big interview and, and sitting down with that um you know, person and everyone's tuning in. But now, right, a celebrity or a public figure can go onto their own Twitter or TikTok and, and say whatever quote they were going to say. And so I think it's hard because that sort of, I wonder, right, is, is that golden age of journalism and investigating not as prevalent? But I don't think that actually. I think that it's just going to be changing and we're always going to have to find ways to tell stories. It's just going to look different And I think, yeah, there's, there's podcasts, there's social media, right? We have TikTok and we have online newsletters, but I mean, I think also without digital media growing, I wouldn't have gotten this job at fortune. And without the 19th starting up, which didn't even exist when I started college, I wouldn't have been able to start in health news. And so it sort of makes you think that I also think there's more, there's more ways to do journalism now than there used to be, even if it's not this sort of idealistic you know, a uh, way that we've, we we might have pictured it.
0: Yeah, you, you are a beautiful writer and I love writing. So, you know, kudos to you. I'm curious today about the different work styles of Gen Z. And so we've got some wonderful Gen Z colleagues in our firm and there's a desire, yes, to have the flexibility of time of data work, but also the amount of time working. Um, I, you know, I know when I started my firm when I was just 30, I mean, I'm working killer hours, you know, 70 whatever hours I had to, you know, to just. And today there's a little bit more like work life balance. So I am curious, is that a myth? Is that because you seem to be very, uh, you know, you're curious and you've got to do your homework. So is that a 40 hour a week or is it more of a flexible work style?
1: I think the big thing is that Gen Z is also not a monolith. Right, everyone, you know, is coming to the table with 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 different perspectives and backgrounds and ideas. So I think that's the first thing: is that sometimes it's easy to categorize a generation as one way or the other, but there's there's a lot of nuance. And actually, at the um, Fortune Next Gen conference, I moderated a panel on Gen Z at work, and I asked what the biggest misconception is, and there was a Gen Z founder on the panel as well as uh, two other leaders and in companies kind of more so on the talent acquisition side. And what really came out also through research that they had done around Gen Z and what they're looking for and and people getting into the workforce is that I think there's this assumption and misconception that Gen Z is lazy, right? The whole idea of work-life balance and, you know, flexibility and doesn't want to come into the office. But with their study, it, it was from Handshake that they found that you know Gen Z is really just looking for stability, and especially coming off of being in the pandemic, starting their careers, and in, you know with this economic volatility, I think that um, you know Gen Z is really just looking for a place where they feel stable. So I, I think it's interesting, but I also think that you know even just thinking about my own friends and, and family. I mean, I think that Gen Z really wants to connect with other people at work. They want to be able to feel a part of something. Again, I mentioned the whole loneliness thing. I just was writing a story this morning about how Gen Z is actually one of with the millennials are really feeling the loneliest. And so I think that finding ways to connect through work and through community is is really important.
0: So that leaves me. It's a great bridge to the question of purpose. And how important, especially to Gen Z, is it that the organizations that they work for stands for something beyond just making a profit, stands for something that could be about the environment or society, or to your point, you know, they're a proponent of mental health. Um, How important is that to your generation?
1: I think, yeah, I think the way to sort of attract and retain Gen Z is really around having a purposeful organization, right, that, that has a mission that people can stand behind, I think that people don't really want to come to work anymore and just feel like they're part of it all and not really meaning, not really having a meaningful experience. Um, And so I think that an organization that, you know, not just, not just with, you know, outings and and such, but just has like a a purpose for also culture that's really collaborative and supportive and, you know, a mission, you know, yeah, like you said, beyond making money, whether that's to to really engage their readers and and help people make financial decisions, or you know, what, whatever that mission might be, I think I think that's important. I'd also say the flip side of it too, right, is that given that Gen Z really wants stability, I think there's something to be said for there can be a lot of pressure to find purpose in your work, and not always at every time is it going to come from your work. So it's also okay for there to be like ebbs and flows in the fact that maybe your purpose is coming from what you do outside of work or your relationships to others. You are so wise
0: (laughs) for someone so (laughs) young. I I love it. A couple quick questions. I know our listeners, many of them are from purpose-driven companies doing really authentic work and they want to get it in front of you, you know, not pitch you with, with something that's greenwashing, but truly something of substance. What's the best way to approach you with an idea
1: yeah. I mean, email me is, is a great way. LinkedIn message me. I, uh, I definitely try and go through all of my emails.
0: That, that's Thank you. That's, that's great advice. So as we close, you know, you're early in your career, you adore what you do. You're applying, you know, your personal passion, great expertise. What other advice, cause you've given a lot of advice in this conversation, but do you have one or two other things to, you know, young people who are saying, gee, she is really helping me out. What would you like to say?
1: I don't know. I would honestly just say as simple as giving yourself grace and and sort of being able to step back from sort of again the noise of what's next and what's my purpose and what to do to just also really think about like what are ways to and this is sort of the health and wellness reporter in me but what are ways to connect with other people and um and enjoy my life and I and and being able to Like I think some of the best ideas for stories I've gotten have been when I just actually slow down and Mm, listen to other people and I sit at the dinner table and I don't have my phone with me. I think it's uncomfortable to be bored, but I think if we can carve that time out too, that's kind of where like even your passion projects outside of work or hobbies, you know, come to you.
0: That's great. Lots lots of pearls of wisdom there. Um, Any Other thing you want to leave with our listeners before we have to say goodbye?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I would just sort of say that, you know, I, I think I'm also taking everything day by day. Um, You know, I really appreciate being on this podcast, because I, I mean, I have a major imposter syndrome, knowing the kinds of people that you've interviewed. And so I just think, you know, for me, at least, it's like, I just, I don't even know what's gonna kind of happen. Like, the next week and and stuff with this industry (laughs) so I think I think it's all just kind of trying to be more okay with with pivoting and trying to again you know work on that just personal self-confidence and um being able and it's always helped to have support systems where you can you know really embed yourself and lean on people
0: so Alexa McHale you are an amazing young woman with tremendous wisdom. And I, as I say to all of um, young people that I mentor, that y- you've got that essence that's never going to go away. And that gives you an incredible grounding and foundation to basically do whatever you want to do in your life. And I think your point about being curious, staying curious, but I also love the fact that you said slow down, because our world is going so fast and we have to constantly be entertained. And I know it's the moments when, you know, I'm like riding my bike or I have a horse. And so we're just walking, walking, you know, out in, in a pasture. It, it's just very calming and it allows me to to get to my core. So thank yeah. you so much oh, for being well, on the, so uh, on the Oh, thank you so much. I, I, owe, <laughs> I owe you. And to our listeners, um, again, uh, t- lots of great wisdom here. And I really appreciate you
1: being on the show. Thank you so much, Carol. I appreciate it.
0: This podcast was brought to you by some amazing people, and I'd love to thank them. Anne Hundertmark and Kristen Kenny at Carol Cone on Purpose, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson, our crack production team at True Story FM, and you, our listener. You know, we love hearing from you, so please give us feedback. Let us know names of people you'd like to hear on a future episode. How about some new questions to ask? And also, please rate and rank us, because we really want to be as high as possible as one of the top business podcasts available, so that we can continue exploring together the importance and the activation of authentic purpose. We all know every company, every brand, every not-for-profit must define their purpose, refine it, and activate it, and evolve it over time. So it has the greatest impact on business, growth, and society. And by listening to these episodes and sharing them with your colleagues and talking about them, I want to inspire you to have an amazing answer to this question, what is the power of your purpose? Thanks so much for listening.